You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, broadcast live to air on Edge Radio 99.3 FM and proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. The Dice Men Cometh! Well, here we are back in the studio for another round, another phase, another turn, another segment of your favourite board game radio station and podcast. It's the Dice Men Cometh here on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. And I am Mark. And I am Garth. And Garth, it's just you and I tonight. It is. It's so peaceful and quiet. And I know we make fun of Leon not being here, but it's just always entertaining it's always fun and in all seriousness uh leon we do miss you hope you're making the world's best chocolate or looking after your child because apparently he has a child these days <laughs> but for anyone who doesn't know as you said mark the dice men cometh are all about board games card games tabletop games desktop games according to the most recent show before us That's which is right. absolutely lovely but it's about just you know, what's happening in the world of tabletop? What's happening in the hobby and trying to get more people to just love board games? And what's happening this week, Garth, is episode 327 of The Diceman Cometh. It is the last day, the 31st of March. And tonight, we've got an epic to talk about, haven't we? We do, because while we are talking about maybe one game and, and a little one at the end, mm-hmm. the game that we're going to talk about is actually... A whole series of games. So many games. So many games. And it holds a place, I guess, metaphorically <laughs> on a shelf <laughs> that is very, very sparse. Yes. In that it is the completed legacy game shelf. Mm. Does not happen very often. Not for us. And definitely not for us. So we are going to be talking about The King's Dilemma, which came out in 2019. And you and I, Mark, along with Trent... And good friends, Carl. Mm. We finished it. We started it. We finished it. And we want to tell that story without giving spoilers away. That's right. It'll be a spoiler-free review of The King's Dilemma. I don't know if we're going to even fit in the the second game we're going to talk about, a smaller card game, Slough Off, which... um, I've been wanting to talk about for a while. And it did come out during our weekend away. We may talk... Again, about our weekend away even, because we did play quite a few games. But King's Dilemma, as it did in real life, may just take over. <laughs> You're absolutely right. So, look, let's, Mark, give ourselves a little bit of a rest vocally. Mm, yep. We'll allow someone else to, to sing for us, because no one wants to hear you or I sing. But really? before we do that, we are the Dice Men Cometh. We are. It is Edge Radio 99.3 FM. And here is a song. Hi, it's Martin Wallace here. Um, if I did listen to podcasts, and I would listen to the Diceman Cometh all of the time. Now, that was the Foo Fighters here on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. You are with the Diceman Cometh, Mark and Garth. And unfortunately, Garth, while we were away on the, the board game weekend that we just mentioned briefly, that was when we heard, of course, about the sad passing of Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters. It was a bit of a shock. Well, anyone dying at that age is is cruel, and it is unfair, and it is untimely. Or particularly when they're younger than me, Garth, that's always scary, I'm afraid. But anyway, uh, great Foo Fighters track there, sadly Miss Taylor. But Garth, yes, from the dilemma of someone's sad passing to another dilemma, mm. the dilemma of a king, perhaps? Well, they say it's a king's dilemma, and that is the name of the game, but it's not really. Because, like in most monarchies, the mm-hmm. king doesn't do much. A figurehead? Yeah, they're just there. They don't even have a head. They have a name and that's all. Yep. It's all about the brains behind the operation to make sure that this particular kingdom keeps chugging along and that everyone's happy. Mm. And that's how easy this game is, Mark. It's just, uh, it's just uh, keeping everyone, everyone happy. Yeah, so easy. Because this game, The King's Dilemma, is a legacy game, or as the publishers call it, an interactive narrative experience with legacy elements. Really? Is that yes. what they called it? That's what they, that's what they say. <laughs> okay. Who are they, by the way? Well, they are designers Halmar Huck, 
and Lorenzo Silva, and it's by Horrible Guild Games, and they have pretty much just made this game yep. in 2019 after not doing anything apart from Railroad Inc. And it, it did okay. I mean, Railroad Inc. obviously did very okay. Yes. Um, quite well-known and popular, your favourite genre, the roll and ride, obviously. <laughs> but then this came out of the blue, and I know... I don't know if the Shut Up and Sit Down review was maybe the first thing that I saw or whether it was our friend Trent that had heard about it and all of a sudden it, you know, a game where people sit around the table and scheme and backstab while they're playing a game. Um, I think he sort of thought it sounded right up our alley. Well, absolutely, because that's what we do around the table anyway. (laughs) On any game. (laughs) Every single game. (laughs) Speak for yourself, Mark. I, I always play with integrity. You sneaky, sneaky bastard. But yeah, this this game sounds like it delivers so much. Mm. It, it gives you this thematic grand empire that you are a part of and you need to invest yourself in. Now, each player, of which there can be up to five, we played the whole campaign with four and the same four players. You're running your own noble house and each of your noble houses has a seat on the council and that's what your job is, is to... Look out for whatever issues are concerning not only the king and his dilemma, mm-hmm. but also your lands, the, the rival families, all of the things, the factions that are giving you pressure from your borders, north, south, east and west. And you're just trying to get through while kind of making sure that your house comes out on top because you still want to be the most illustrious, the most famous, the most wealthy house because, like any game, you want to win. It's not cooperative. This is not a cooperative game, Mark. No. This is exactly a competitive game it is. that you do want to smish your enemies into dirt while making sure the, the, the lands, the kingdom stays stable. So a couple of things there, because obviously what we have seen is a lot of legacy games. Yes. Not all of them, but a lot of legacy games now are cooperative. This is certainly not that. Mm. But what you described, it sounds a bit... Game of Thronesy. I mean, look, I know there are many more um, fantasy worlds with battling um, and scheming houses and families and everything than Game of Thrones, but it's, I guess it's the one that comes to mind, isn't well, it? Well, it's the easiest one to probably ex- make it relevant to, yeah. to people because, you know, you could, you could kind of use this mechanic and just chuck it into any old political sort of or religious dynasty really that could be a style could be a family it could be you know like brothers and sisters and parents maybe arguing over who's gonna get the last slice of pizza yes maybe but it probably wouldn't sell so much (laughs) no no, probably not so look yeah call it the game of thrones game in a box and and there you go that's Mm. the easy way to describe it so what you're going to be doing is through the series of a number of games you don't know at the start how long it's going to take. They say somewhere between maybe oh, 15 and 20-something games yep. that you're going to be playing. Um, you're going to be starting from nothing except a kingdom, and you're going to be seeing what happens from there. I had nothing, nothing but a small kingdom at start. I <laughs> built it all up myself. That's how a lot of self-made politicians That's are, right. aren't they? Yes. They just start with a little dowry, and away you go. So, look, in this game, the mechanics of it are so simple. You set up the board, and there are... One, two, three, four, five, six little tracks in the middle, which collectively are your stability. So you've got your influence track, which is basically there to determine the strength and reputation of your particular kingdom. You've got the wealth, which is how much money you've got in your royal treasury and the quality of life that is being um, offered for your subjects. You've got your morale, happiness of your people, simple. You've got welfare, which is really what's your availability to health, to food, to water. You've also then got the knowledge, you know, your technological and uh, medical advances, Mm -hmm. the artisans, the scientists. uh, And they form collectively your your stability. And like all good kingdoms, you want that stability to kind of remain equal. But do you though? Well, no, of course course not. Of course, Mark, (laughs) what are you talking about? But that's what you want to try and do Mm. because a game which can take a very short amount of time, sometimes maybe... Half an hour, 45 minutes, really. Or it could take an hour and a half, couple of hours, depending on how things work. One of the ways a game will end is if the stability track gets too far up or too far down. It basically means if it's too far down, your kingdom's in turmoil. Too many forces are are fracturing it and the king has to abdicate. Too far on the other end, and it means the external influences and that the houses are too powerful. 
and the king has to abdicate. Yeah. Uh, the other way it's going to end is if you resolve enough dilemmas, the king can die a happy person, and that's what happens in the game. Ends. So old age. Exactly right. Yeah. What a way to go. Yeah. So all you're going to be doing throughout the course of the game is drawing a card, reading what it says, mm -hmm. Having a bit of an understanding, not a complete understanding, but a bit of an understanding of what the consequences of your decisions are going to be and how that's going to affect your kingdom. Yep. And that's represented by, if we resolve this positively, those things are going to go up on the track. If we resolve it the other way, they're probably going to go down, but not always. Yeah. And then you're going to see the consequences of your actions after you've gone around and, and had a vote. And we'll, we'll get back to the voting part because mm -hmm. that is the game. Oh, yes. And then you do that until... Either the king dies, the stability reaches one end or the other end, and there you go. You, you pack it up, you rinse and repeat. Doesn't sound that exciting. And you look at the board, especially in your first game or two, and you go, oh, it doesn't look particularly exciting. Yeah, it's quite, because um, it's really only two colours, isn't it? Sort of like white and a, like a dark goldy colour. Exactly right. Um, very, very plain, as you said, with those five tracks and then the sixth one on the side. But there's a couple of funny little things. So there's a big area at the top of the board which seems very blank at the start of the game. Well, it is very blank because it's the chronicle area and you haven't gotten any chronicles, oh, you haven't written any chronicles because, as I said, my kids, you only start with the kingdom. Yes, yes. However, every player is going to have their own little player board and they are their own individual houses with their own heraldry on the front. And mm -hmm. you start this campaign by naming... Not your house. Well, I guess you do name your house. It is the something house of something or other, and you get to name it. And you can name it any numerous things because you are the leader of your particular house. Mine had a picture of a hedgehog on it, so I named it Sonic. Yeah, and there are, um, what, there's like a ridiculous amount. So there's five players, but there's, there's way more. There's 12 different houses with crazy sort of pictures. Now, mine had a rooster. It did. Um, you know, and I'm, I was drawn to that because not only it was green, and usually I play green, but, um, you know, back in my old Navy days, my nickname was Rooster. There you go. Don't ask why. Um, I was given that nickname. Who knows? But I was drawn to that house, and I would have probably called it House Rooster if I wasn't very imaginative. <laughs> Good thing you are imaginative, yeah. Mark. Do you know what you named your house? Um, I'm trying to remember, Garth. Um, I'm sure I named it something safe for radio. Yes. Um, well, because a, a rooster is all also known as a cock, as in like oh. cock of vin. Yeah, okay. Famous French dish. Um, so I think it was called house cocks a lot, like lan lan lance <laughs> like a lot. Like lance a lot. But instead of a lance, I had a rooster and rooster a lot just didn't sound the same no it didn't so house cocks a lot so there you go we had four different houses all with remarkably safe for radio names and you then also have a little bit of a, a starting money mm -hmm. and some starting power oh power because mark it's all about the power and all about the money correct so you set up you don't know really much what's going on but you're going to have a starting dilemma deck and the dilemma deck is the game. Mm. It's what's going to lead you through your various choices that you're going to make. And that's a very, very small deck, at least at the start. But when you see what is left in the box that you haven't had a chance to explore yet, mm -hmm. you will find 75 envelopes. Now, these envelopes don't contain a card or a meeple or a thing. Mm. They contain storylines. And depending on the choices that you're going to make, you're going to open some of these cards throughout your course of your campaign. You will not open all yeah. of them because you can't you can't make one decision and choose the other one. It is quite simply, you will probably have maybe 50% of the cards unopened. That's what I was thinking is by the end of the game, I'm sure there was probably about 50% of those envelopes still left in there. Um, desperate to open them. And same with the stickers. You've... How many stickers were there? 170 odd. And at the end of the game, you've probably got more than 100 left. That's it's, right. There's so many branching storylines, all of which are dependent on the decision you made in, this, in the dilemma prior. So the thing is, you're never going to see all of this game. As we said, you're probably lucky even to see half of it Correct. in the 15 to 20 games that you'll play, which that in itself 
is absolutely stunning to me. Like the, the amount of story there. And look, I know we can't talk about any of the stories because they would all be spoilers. But for a minute, can we talk about the quality of the stories? Yeah. How, I mean, we were totally engaged and they... We can't even sort of give an idea because they're so wide and varied and crazy and all over the place and not really stuff that you would think about. But I don't know about you, but I was so drawn in. And, you know, the plot lines, you would sort of deal with one uh, sort of plot that might occur across a couple of different dilemmas. And then down the track later, that plot line would come back in and it exactly. would be... It would be generations later, but then something else had happened. And and, and, and this is it. it. Because you're playing a kingdom, every game ends with the king dying or abdicating, and the next game is the next generation. Yeah. So you're not just sitting around the table, oh, we've just resolved this is this, is this week's dilemma. We're talking about one game equals a lifespan. And it is remarkably clever, this dilemma deck system that they've mm. created and They've already got the the Queen's Dilemma, the new <gasps> version of it, which will be out, you know, not this year, yeah. maybe next year. However, you know, I, I do want to say that on the front page of the rule book, and I've had to print off the, the pages here because we don't have the rule book available here to us. But the first thing is a disclaimer to say this game is set in a fiction, fictional and often cruel fantasy world. It was designed to put you front uh, of morally challenging situations and tough choices. Many of the dilemmas you will face involve ethical and moral choices mm. related to sensitive topics that could upset your sensitivity or that of the people playing with you, such as injustice, violence, slavery, and racism. So it's putting it out there to say, this isn't a game yeah. where it's all rainbows and unicorns. It is gonna be, you will deal in potentially really confronting situations and confronting choices and then it's going to throw this actual game in there, which you're not making choices that I, as Garth, agree or disagree with on a human personal level. It is I, as Garth, as the leader of this particular house, who is completely biased in wanting to get certain outcomes because it's going to propel the, uh, the fortune and the fame of, of who I lead. And that is really challenging. It's very similar, I guess, in that regard to uh, your approach to, to Fog of Fog of Love? Yes. Because you're not playing Mark, you. You're yes. playing this fictionalised version of yeah. you. And, and it's it can be a very interesting discussion to have around the table mm. when you're resolving these dilemmas. But Garth, so just because you, Garth, might decide that a thing is good or bad, you're not making a choice based on that, are you? So what? No. what why, apart from, you know, oh, this sounds like an interesting story to go this way or that way, why would you decide any particular way? Why do you care? And look, this is this is where you want to win. You you want to win the game because it's a gamer, and possibly for me, one of the the, the not so great parts of this game is that it's you know at the end of a, a king dying or abdicating, you're going to tally up some points. Mm -hmm. It's not at all a thematic ending, as far as I can see, because at the start of the game, everyone is going to be um, basically drafting a secret agenda card mm. and it'll start with the person who has the least prestige which is one of the currencies i guess in the game going around around to the player who has the most and you're going to be choosing the secret agenda card and the agenda card is basically where you want these resources that we've talked about the influence and wealth and what have you to finish on the track yeah and if you are able to manipulate those through um basically saying yes to the certain votes saying nay or using your gold to be able to influence other players' votes and make them choose the side that you would as well, whoever does that the most efficiently and most successfully is typically going to win, and that's how you'll progress your household legacy. Yeah, and those, as you said, those secret agenda cards, uh, they all had names, but one might be you want all the sliders, well, you want the sliders to be on the extreme ends of the scale, or you want the sliders to be not very far from the middle, or you want all the sliders to be on the left of the scale, or all the sliders to be on the right of the scale, or even one of them, I think, where it was like you, you wanted to have the greatest distance between the two furthest away sliders on opposite ends of the slide, if you were. Yeah. Um, they, were they were quite interesting. But then, of course, you also had behind your house screen, you had... Lots of little things that you can sort of tick off and get, as you mentioned, prestige points. Or 
the sort of the other victory point currency, this thing called Crave, That's which right. it was weird because I don't know if we ever truly understood what Crave was because <laughs> it's it's not exactly the opposite of prestige. It's not like, well, the person who's goodest gets the most prestige and the person who's evilest gets the most crave. It was a sometimes a bit arbitrary, but there was definitely a scale there which you were trying to get your head around. And so you could tick off various boxes behind your screen to get prestige points or get crave points. One of the things you could tick off was having a particular secret agenda a certain number of times. And if you had the role for that number of times, you could tick all those boxes and you would get some points. Then on the other uh, side, on the right-hand side it was of your screen, you had some other, not secret agendas, but other thing that your house wanted to achieve to also be able to get points. And because they're on the back of the screen, they're all secret. But, you know, it might have been to have the most money a certain amount of times or to have the most prestige a certain amount of times or to have the least or to do another thing that you completely looked at the screen and went, I do not even know what that is. <laughs> and mostly you didn't until a card came out that referred to that thing. That's right. And then you thought, oh, my God, I've got a... I must make sure that that happens because that's a thing clearly that my house is invested in. But as we said, often you didn't know if that was going to come in. And in fact, I don't know that everyone actually achieved all their secret housey goals. Um, I know I did because well, I, I had one of those and I did achieve it. But again, it's that's a another thing with this game where although it seems so simple... It sort of is uncovering, unfolding, revealing itself as you go along through those stories. And did we mention that the stories are really well written and engaging? <laughs> I mean, I've got to come back to that because, you know, I am a huge fan of the narrative-based games. And I love me some story in games. I do get annoyed when games have bad writing or the story isn't engaging because if you're playing a game for story and the story is not great, then the game is clearly not great. Well, let's just quickly talk about the story and then maybe chuck, uh, chuck a song on so yep. that we can rest up. Yep. So look, the good thing about the story is it's almost all on these little cards and they are very cleverly called story cards. <laughs> so when you're going to reveal a card from the Dilemma deck and, and the game is, I reveal a card from the Dilemma deck, I read it, we decide on the vote, we resolve it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of it. Yep. The story will give you that little bit of um, flavour so that you know what it is you're trying to do. And it might be, oh, there's a certain character that's arrived in your kingdom. They offer you X or Y. Do you want to choose X or Y? Because yeah. it's going to lead to this outcome or this outcome. And it might be you get, uh, I don't know, some seeds that you can then put in and grow into a garden. Or you can get this other option, which might be that you're going to find the location of a mine to be able to dig out some coal and that'll lead to blah, 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 blah. All sounds pretty innocent. Yeah. It's definitely not going to be. <laughs> but you don't know that yeah. because you never have 100% of the information about yeah. your, your decision. It'll say, okay, well, if you choose some seeds, then it's going to put the, the food um, track up a little bit because you've, you've grown some seeds and you've been able to get some more stuff. Or this one's going to affect you of something else because it's taking some of the um, army personnel to go and dig in the mine so your army strength's going to be less. All of these things that go, okay, I, I get that, but you flip over the card and it says, ha, 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 the seeds are actually magic beans and now you've got a giant <laughs> that falls on your head. That's right. And uh, as you said, on the, on the front side of the card, it would tell you which of those axes are likely to be affected and whether it was a positive or a negative effect. But you never had any idea about, you know, would that be one step on the track? Or would it be 10 steps on the track? That's right. And at the same time as you're thinking about, well, which way do I want this story to go? Which way do I want to drive all these tracks because of my hidden agenda card? You're also looking at that stability track because each step of those five sliders also was added onto the stability track. So if a slider moves three towards the top, then the stability slider moves three towards the top. And if another slider moves three to down, the stability slider will go back down three. But if so, for example, if you had had too many positive things, that slider would be going up and up and up towards 
where the king has to abdicate or right. down towards the king has to abdicate and end the game. And it can end the game so quickly. Yes. So you can't just make the same nay choices over and over again because the game will end and you won't get a decent score because your secret agenda wanted everything in the positive side. And <sighs> because you're so engaged in this game, even though you're playing 15 to 20 games of this game, you I have to say it, you didn't want it to end. No, I, I don't think there was one single game where I, I would look and go, the scoreboard is um, is where I want it to be. I must end the game right now. I just wanted it to go on and on and on. And Garth, speaking of things going on and on and exactly. on. Exactly. Well, what we should do is we should end this particular segment mm -hmm. with a song, but then we'll come back and do it all again because that's what we want to do with King's Dilemma. So you with us, the Dice Men Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. We'll be back after the song. Hello everyone, just Leon here. A quick break in the action to remind people that our Patreon is back up and running and better than ever. For $10 Australian a month, you will get access to a bonus episode once every month where we go over some games we haven't talked about in a long time, some Q&A and some special segments specially requested by our patrons. So jump over there to patreon.com slash dicemancometh or to redbubble.com slash dicemancometh to get some cool merch. So you can be a part of our bonus episode as well as some extra entries into our competition and some lovely dice we will send your way. Every cent you send us will put us to conventions all around Australia and the world to keep pumping out as much content as possible. Thanks very much and back to this week's episode. Well, there you go. That was London Grammar with Hey Now. You're with the Dice Men Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. And we are still talking about more King's Dilemma because we just cannot get enough. It's the game that never stopped, although eventually it did. It did. So one of the things about resolving the dilemmas is that you do surprisingly flip over the card and it tells you the actual consequences as you were alluding to before mm. the song. One of those consequences can be you get to place a sticker, Ooh. which sounds awesome. Well, particularly because there's 175 or whatever of them, and, or 125, and you got to get through them somehow. 175 or 177, anyway, a lot. <laughs> you typically want to sign a sticker. It's mm. really cool. Mm. You get to sign your name on a thing, or at least your house name, and then you get to put it up that formerly barren chronicle area. Yeah. And that will very quickly not be barren anymore because there are numerous stickers. You'll be placing stickers on top of stickers. You'll be reading stickers, looking at stickers. However, once it's placed, you kind of don't pay too much attention to it. However, they do play quite an important role in subsequent games. Yeah. So getting your names on stickers, and I think, Mark, you probably should have been named stickers a lot <laughs> because you did go on a very heavy sticker trajectory. Yeah. Did it work? Did it not? Well, who knows? Um, but <laughs> I think we're about to find out. <laughs> but that is one of the things that can really impact future games. So uh, like most of the decisions in this game, it's not one you make lightly. And it is, I mean, the fun thing for me was because stickers were consequences that were going to be on the board, who knows how long. Often, if I saw that a dilemma, if it went a certain way and there was a sticker involved, if that dilemma was suited to my house having it resolve in that direction then i might have you know been a little heavy towards the uh, the voting so and the how power. do you do that how do you do that because there's four players surely votes are all even well funny garth isn't it because you know you've you've got a a hand of voting cards you've got an i as in aye yep you've got a nay and you've got a pass mm. but the thing about the pass is it's not a I'm really not interested in pass. It's, well, I may be interested, but if I pass, I can pass for power, in which case I'm going to share from the pool of power. We don't really need to explain how power gets there, but I'm going to share from the pool of power with other people who passed, or I can pass for the gavel, the moderator, so there was the um, the leader token and the moderator token. And what did the moderator do, Garth? He or she breaks ties. Yes. And that is incredibly important. Because, look, 
You reveal the dilemma, you read it, you say this is what's going to happen, and then the leader, whoever the leader happens to be, starts. And they choose to place power, and power is in various denominations, they place whatever power they want to on the, the I or the nay, yeah. or, as you say, they pass. Now, votes are then resolved around the table in a clockwise order, and the vote will end once the player to the immediate right of the leader has had their vote, as long as there's not a change in roles, which certainly can happen, yeah. because the leader only stays the leader as long as they have put the most power on to basically say, I'm the most invested in this particular dilemma. Yeah. As soon as someone else says, oh, you've only put two power in there, I really love this and I really want it to see this way, go this way, I'm going to put three power down. They become the leader. Yeah. So it shifts around. So very rarely does a vote go around one table one time mm -hmm. with no change in roles. Um, but ultimately, you can still have a tie because it's not two two eyes and two nays. It is what is the total number of power for the for the one side and for the other. That's right. If it is an even split, the moderator breaks those ties however they see fit. And that usually involves the parties <laughs> offering a whole bunch of stuff, yep. giving them gold, because in the voting phase, it is is very much a negotiation. It is, oh, but oh, can I give you some money? Can I give you this down the track? Can I say that to do anything that, to get this this um, agenda, this dilemma resolved in the way that I want it to, to do? And you can be that person even if you personally have passed. So you're always invested in these dilemmas yep. every single time. And one of the great things, thank goodness, that I loved about this game is that deals were binding. Yes. So many times in these negotiation games, those sneaky, sneaky people, Garth, I'm looking at one right now, they make a deal and then they stab you in the back later on and they love it. Yes. But at least in this game, you knew that the deal was binding and you knew you weren't going to get... Stabbed in the back from this particular thing, perhaps. <laughs> for that particular scenario. Yes. Because if they said they were going to pay you four money if you broke the tie in a certain way, then when you broke the tie in a certain way, they had to give you the money. They Correct. were bound by the rules. Yes, we've got to we've got to stop talking about rules. We we've do. got to go on to this game. For us, lasted seventeen games, I believe. Yeah. The last game, <laughs> my goodness, was not at all <laughs> the outcome that we expected no. in terms of the game itself. No. However. This game, as a campaign over 17, held us all in its grasp almost completely. There were some individual games that were a bit ho-hum. There are some games that were like, what, 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 what? Yeah. And we craved more of those games. But to have a game that, for, especially for you and I, Mark, who play a lot of games one or two times, yep. to play something 17 times is remarkable and not just the fact garth that we played it 17 times but was there ever a time when we played only one game of this there wasn't i think the first time we broke it out we played three or four and that would have taken us like five or six hours or yeah. something we played this game and that's straight. back to back to back to back to yeah. back that's yeah. not over the course it was actually at a previous gaming weekend away mm. that we'd had a couple of years ago, it was the very first game, and we thought, yeah, let's just get it get it out of the way and see what it's like, because it was a game that all four of us had chipped in for. Yeah. And it just, we go, yep, let's do it again, let's do it again, let's do it again, let's do it again. And that seems to be, if you've got the right group of people, that's how it's yeah. going to get you. And look, we loved it so much, and I guess you've got to make a decision about, does this sound like the sort of game that my group would enjoy? I would say... I wouldn't play it with less than four. No. And obviously, if you could play it with five, the full complement, that's going to be great because it's the interactions around the table that really make the game. I mean, yes, the story is going to be the same for everyone because that, well, not the same because there's so many different stories, but the quality of the story is going to be there no matter how many players you have. But those interactions around the table, those back and forward power struggles, where those those bribes, those fights, those arguments, those passionate dis discourses about which way the decision could go, you know, you're going to have more of them if you've got more players. Yes, and that's are. what really makes the game great. Now, Garth, should we tell the people where this game is now? Yeah, totally. Because you know, don't you want to go back and have another crack? We've got so <laughs> so many cards to to go and see again. If if only Garth, because. At the end of the the previous 
game weekend away with our the four of us. We finished the final game. It was a crazy, crazy ride, that final game. <laughs> and then what did we do with the game? Well, we had to send it off in style. Viking style. It was a cold winter's day. Yeah. There was a lovely fire going. Mm -hmm. And once we removed the relevant bits of plastic, the King's Dilemma was set to rest <laughs> in the fire. It went up in smoke. In, in fire and flames. Yeah. May have toasted a few marshmallows on it. What a fitting, fitting disposal yeah. of the game. And there is now one single component <laughs> left of this game. Oh, yes, Garth. Which component was that? Oh, it's the final scoring card, Mark. That someone yes. was able to secret away oh. before the game was thrown into the fire. And there is somewhere that I'm absolutely not telling anyone else <laughs> who was involved in the game where it is. A little scorecard that says at the top, winner. House oh Sonic. Goodness. Garth Gray. And what a surprise that the sneakiest, backstabbingest person I know <laughs> ended up winning the game. But it was amazing. And look, um, I will. We did post it on Facebook at the time, I think, that the video of us burning the game. <laughs> um, I will post it again uh, now that we've talked about it when this episode comes out. Now, Garth, just quickly before we move on, though, we clearly are not the only people who enjoyed this game because this game was nominated for quite a few awards, I understand. Well, it was. It was nominated for, for over half a dozen major style awards, mm. one of which being the Kennerspiel of uh, the year 2020. Hang on, sorry. Stop, stop. Kennerspiel. Kennerspiel. So the gamer's game, Mark. We just, <laughs> we just talked about, in terms of game mechanics and the game itself, how simple this game is and it got nominated for the Kennespiel. Well yeah, but look, I mean it's it's in pretty complicated territory here. Yeah. And the games that it was up against are also very, very complex. Okay, what were they? They were cartographers. Ah, a roll and write. A, a flip and write, isn't it? Is yeah. It? Yep. And then the crew. What? A trick taking game. Hang on, hang on. What they so were super the, complex. They, super super highly complicated games. That year. Two of which, oh Cartographers and the Crew, you absolutely couldn't pick up in and learn in five minutes. <sighs> and the thing is, it didn't even win look, oh. because the crew won. Oh. And look, I get the crew winning. Yeah, I, We've had numerous yeah. conversations around crew, that. Yeah. We, love uh, we love the crew and we love the spiel. But and we, the actually, spiel is we actually love Cartographers as well. We love all those games, but none of them really are... A Kenneth Bill game. But I think that's an argument for another time. Yeah. Though. The other one I did want to highlight is it was nominated for the 2019 Golden Geek Most Innovative oh, Board yeah. Game nominee. Yeah. You know, this Dilemma Deck system never has been seen before. Nah. Far branching legacy Out game. Um, absolutely amazing and certainly one of our favourites. So it, it was must, up against... It must have won, surely. Well, it was up against... Barrage, a game about damming water and building power plants. A, you Euro, know, a Euro wooden blocky that's it. game, yeah. Uh, the Crew again. Mm -hmm. um, the King's Dilemma was in there with Letter Jam, which isn't that complex. PAX Premier Second Edition. Haven't played it, admittedly, but mm -hmm. it is in a games room. Yep. QE, Quantity of Easing. Love it. Little yep. light, fast game. Yep. Tainted Grail, oh, Fall of Avalon. Yep. U-Boot, my game of the year. Yeah. About being in submarines. Mm -hmm. uh, wavelength. Just a, a game a about game. exactly, and then wingspan, a, you know, a, a deck a building deck. tableau. Oh, sorry, not deck building tableau building game about some birds. Uh, but that, hang on, surely that's the least innovative game on that list. Well, yeah, maybe we'll see. But it won. <laughs> oh no! Uh, and look, oh. wingspan won a lot. Yeah, of course. You know, Stone Meyer does great stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wingspan is not my favourite game, and I don't believe it's very innovative <sighs> at all. But it looks pretty. Anyway. I'm looking forward to the Queen's Dilemma. Yeah. We're going to play it. It's 100% oh, yes. happening. Yep. And we hope it lives up to what our experience was of the King's Dilemma. Yep. Because if this game sounds at all like what your group is after, while well, we can never guarantee fun, if you put in 100%, this game will give you a lot back. I think that you could say, Garth, that the, uh, the Queen's Dilemma, it's definitely on our wish list. And with that... We'll take you to see music. You're with the Diceman Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Have no fear, gamers, because the band is back and are a force to be reckoned with. With Mark Hamill Rickards being the Luke to Garth's Vader and Leondo Calrissian playing both sides, anything could happen. Now the force has reawakened. It's great to have you back. 
Well, there you go. That was Pearl Jam with Wish, wish List, even. You with the Dice Men Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Now, Mark, Duff. I'm just going to sit back and relax. I've done way too much talking yeah, this episode. You have. I want to tell you about a little card game that has had a number of different iterations, but I first heard about this card game by the name of Die Sieben Siegel, or the Seven Seals in German, on my old friend's The Spiel podcast ah. that I have been listening to for a very long time. And I actually looked it up. It was episode 99 of The Spiel, which aired in March 2010. There we go. Now, that's when I first heard about this game, Deceiving Siegel. Um, I have it on good authority that when it came across from Germany, it was affectionately known because D is spelled D I E in German. It was affectionately known as Die Steven Seagal because <laughs> um, it sounds very similar to that. But that this was a game that was published in 2003. Um, and the designer of this game is a German designer, quite well known for many games. Hasn't really had a breakthrough hit, I don't think, but a lot of uh, well, reasonably well-known games. The guy's Stefan Dora. Um, now, interestingly, Stefan Dora, as well as designing games, he's a speech therapist that works with kids with disabilities. Oh, wow. And has for a long time. But this game, Deceben Siegel, or Die Steven Seagal, um, was actually on the, speaking of the Spiel, the Yaris, not the Spiel, the podcast, on the Spiel, the Yaris 2004 recommended list. So a good game. Um, clearly. Yeah. And as I said, it was designed in 2003. And I always, after hearing about it on the Spiel podcast, I always wanted a copy because it's a trick-taking game. Oh, that's so innovative. But it's a trick-taking game. With a difference. Okay. Oh, so why did it not win when the crew won? Mm, I don't know. But anyway, so I forgot about that game because it was a long time ago and I never could see a copy of this. Then sometime later, a game... So there was a, there is a game called Wizard and this game, other game came out called Wizard Extreme. Well, that was a remake of DC Ben Seagull. And then a bit later on, another game came out called Zing. This was in America now, so you can see the name sort of changed from being the funny German games where they're normally alliterative or mm -hmm. have a funny riddle or something. And Zing was a remake of Deceive and the Seagull. And now <laughs> I saw this game maybe two or three years ago, um, and it's called Slough Off. Now, what there is sloughing go. off, Garth? <laughs> Are we allowed to talk about what that is on radio? Well, as far as I always thought, when... Way, 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 way back, you know, when I was in my younger days playing like card games with a deck of cards, when you were playing a trick-taking game, if you threw off a card that was off-suit and you didn't really care about it, that was called sloughing off. That's how I understood it. Now, the funny thing about this game, Slough Off, is it has some lovely art by the famous board game artist Quanshai Moria, which seems to maybe relate to sloughing off because there are five suits in this card, which are five colours. And the five suits uh, have illustrations on them. So the green suit has a snake, which apparently a snake sloughs off its skin. Okay. All the right. yellow suit has sheep. Now, I don't know that sheeps slough off their fleece i think often they need help with that but you know obviously we know a lot about that here in australia there is a chicken that apparently sloughs off its feathers it's a very sad looking chicken on this card you know mostly bear there is a kid who is i can't work out if he's sloughing off from school which means he's wagging, wagging as we would being call a it. truant or apparently also you can slough off your backpack Okay. But that's a thing. And then the fifth suit, which is the Trump suit, which is blue, has an attractive young woman whose jeans seem to be sort of falling apart. You know, those very trendy jeans with the... Oh, the rips. The rips in them, and, and there are bits falling off. Apparently, that is also sloughing off. Anyway, let's just say it's not, it's not that thematic a game. No, it's absolutely not at all. So why would you be interested? Well, as I said, it's a trick-taking game. But the twist is... Before you start playing the tricks, you have to think about 
how many tricks you're going to win. Now, you'll have a hand of 15 cards. So this game can play three, four, or five, and you just take extra cards out if you've got uh, lesser players than five. So you'll always end up with 15 cards in your hand. So you know all the cards are in play, all the five suits. Blue is always the trump suit. So it's like you know everything. But what you don't know is, what are the cards your friends have got in their hands, and how confident are they? Because at the start of the game, you will go around, and the person to the left of the dealer has to predict how many tricks they're going to win, not just in a bridgey 500 style, but they have to pick how many tricks and what colours those tricks will be. Because there are these tokens that all have a minus two points on them that are in the five colours. So if I think I'm going to win three blue tricks, two purple tricks and one green trick, I will take three purple tokens. I can't remember what I said. Now, two blue tokens and a, <laughs> and a green token, something... The tokens that match the tricks. Then the next person will go. They will take the tokens that match their tricks. And then the third person. That's all good and well if there's enough tokens. To well, go around, that's though, right. It? But sometimes there might not be because people might get overconfident, perhaps. Then there are these white tokens that have minus four on them. Yuck. So if, Garth, if you think you're going to win three tricks that are yellow, and I think then I'm going to win three tricks that are yellow, but you've already taken three of the tokens, and you know what? There's only three. Um, then... I take one of your tokens and I give you one of the minus four tokens, but they're white. You know what that means? Wild! They are wild. So you can use them on any Woo! any trick. So you're predicting the tricks. When you win the trick, you get to throw in your token. Obviously, the tokens all have negative points on them. So the best score you can get in a round is zero. Love it. Usually you get less than zero. <laughs> now, to add one more little twist to this trick-taking twisty game, you can be... The sluffer. And Garth, if you're the sluffer, you don't... Uh, <laughs> the sluffer, sorry. If you're the sluffer, you don't take any tokens because you don't care if you win or lose tricks. What you're trying to do is you're trying to make other people win more tricks than they predicted. And so in, this in, in previous versions, it was called the saboteur and you got a little cardboard standee. But in this version... You get a plastic chicken. So <laughs> fact, stupid. Two little baby plastic chickens <laughs> that look like something out of a kid's farmyard set. Yep. And that's the sluffer token. And look, I don't know why I love this game so much. It's just I do love trick-taking games. And this is trick-taking game plus plus, where you really have to think, well, what can I do? What are other people going to do? And then not only how many tricks you're going to win, but then you've got to make that happen somehow. And then if you don't win the trick that you thought you're going to win, you're going to try and win another trick. There's there's quite there's a bit to it. It's a bit of tactics, and it's the sort of quick little tactical card game that I love. It's I've played it at the pub quite a few times. It's a great pub game. We played it our weekend away when we had you know a few minutes to fill in between That's bigger right. games. And it and just fits that little niche yeah. of you play while it's fun. So there you go. That's, That's Slough Off. Um, and who's by again? Oh, Eagle Griffin Games. Can you believe it? There you the go. The same company that has some of those massive, huge, big Euros. Eagle Griffin Games produces this little game, Slough Off. Wonderful. You might enjoy it. Well, there you go, Mark. It has been episode 327 of The Dice Men Cometh. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us rant and rave about The King's Dilemma for a long time and mm. then Slough Off and Dice Steven Seagull. Oh, so next time... Hopefully we're going to have three of us. Leon yeah. may be back from whatever he does. But look, thanks again for listening. We've been the Dice Ben Cometh. It's been Edge Radio 99.3 FM. And we will see you again next Bye. fortnight. Bye. Well, here we are. We've got Garth and Mark and no Leon. And we're sitting around... A very fancy chocolate wheel of Dice Man goodness about to draw the three winners of our inaugural Dice Man, Friends of the Dice Man Patreon only competition, Mark. Are you excited? I am. I don't know that we've done a mega game giveaway before, Garth, and if we haven't, it's been at least a couple of years. We have been showing off the not one, but two piles of games from which the winners can choose. And there's a lot of great games there, Garth. I'm excited. There sure is, mate. I haven't been this excited since... 
I don't know. The last BorderCon raffle? Oh, man. Yes, that, that sounds really exciting. But look, what we need to do is we need to get our chocolate wheel spinning. Mm. And it's not a chocolate wheel. What am I saying? It's a board game wheel of goodness. Yes. <laughs> and we've got to find out who will be the first of our three lucky winners. So the one this person gets to choose any of the games because they get first dibs. Should we spin our wheel? Oh, let's spin it and see who comes up. All right, here we go. Tension. There we go. We have a winner. Oh, my God. Kevin. Woo. Kevin Bean. Come on down to the pile of games and select a game. Well done, Kevin. You are prize winner number one. Choose anything, please. All right. Here we go. It's getting tense now. Number two. Spinning the wheel. Oh, it is... Matt. Matt! Matt Gleeson! Woo! Congratulations, Matt. You're our second winner. There we go. And now, for our third and final winner in the inaugural Friends of the Dice Man Patreon-only competition, here we go. Oh, can't wait. Oh, my God! Number three! James Roberts. Congratulations, James. Well, there you go. We've got our three winners. All right, so now all you need to do, Kevin, Matt, and James, get in touch with this now. Because you came out first, Kevin, you get the first choice from the mega piles, two of them, of games. Uh, Matt, you'll get the second. James, you'll get the third. So you know what? Matt, why don't you send us your first and second choice? Because that way you're guaranteed to get one of them. And James, why don't you send us your first, second and third choice? If there's any problems, we'll get in touch with you. But I'm so excited, Garth. I cannot wait to package these games up, send them away through the postal system mm. or something else and get these games into our wonderful Patreon backers' hands. Fantastic. And look, for our friends of the Dice Men, we will be doing a giveaway of a game, not a mega game giveaway like this, but a game every quarter. That's pretty amazing. So if you want to get on board, the pile can only grow as far as I can see. We've got more great games coming. Jump on to patreon.com forward slash Dicemen Cometh and become a friend of the Dicemen. Bye. You've been listening to another episode of the Dicemen Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicemencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.